We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live. That's what it says. We being, this is Todd Zola, not Jeff Erickson. Jeff is traveling home from Las Vegas, from the company outing, which one of these years I'll go back to. And my special guest, has you, you folks have talked to him before on the Thursday Industry Pod, but he's been begging me to have, <laughs> have him on as a guest. Uh, and that's, that's the one and only Ian Kahn. Uh, Ian dressed up for the occasion. I'm wearing the lightest T-shirt I can find. I'm sure you can afford air conditioning. I can't. Uh, no, you know what it is? I just finished working, and I was going to go... Uh, with my family and do something and then the plans change and you were kind enough to move things forward so I can uh, do things a little bit later that need to be done. Listen, Todd Zola, getting an opportunity to spend 45 oh, minutes boy. to an hour to speak with the Hall of Famer himself, Todd Zola, oh, is boy. is a, a honor and a pleasure. And uh, look, I actually, I don't know if you and I, we've been on shows together, we've done radio shows together, but I don't think you and I have ever just shared a, a podcast like this. No, we've uh, we've we've had you on as a guest with Clay or Jeff or whoever. I'm usually mm-hmm. the sidekick. I'm the, uh, I'm you know I'm, I'm the Ed McMahon of RotoWire and wherever you know. I've, I've enjoyed. I've been I've enjoyed being the sidekick first with Jason Gray and then with Lar. I've kind of done pretty well as a sidekick. Yeah, but yeah, I like well, they're uh, they're giving me the opportunity to to be the man for yeah, uh, a day and 
You're the man. So, You're the man yeah. today. You're the the man tomorrow. You're going to be on with Justin Mason, right? Tomorrow. Yeah, doing the two start pitchers, and mm-hmm. Justin has a little something else to talk about. Are you doing Potapalooza? You know, I'm not, and I owe Justin a phone call to see if he uh, this weekend is a is a challenging weekend for me. But if he needs someone to pinch hit early Saturday morning, so I'll reach out to Justin as soon as this is over. Justin Mason, uh, truly a gentleman and a, a, just a, a good all around fella. The uh, the latest recipient of the Lar Michaels Award, matter of fact, Justin. Yeah, which you so. received in year one, I believe. You were the first recipient, then our friend Rick Wolf, number Rick two. Wolf. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the tout board will get together and decide on the fourth. It's, it's gonna be nice that we could finally say hi to each other live. Knock on wood. In in um in in March, we have mm-hmm. the, the Hall of Famers haven't gotten together. Yeah, you know Pianowski, we haven't learned the. You know, T and I haven't learned the secret handshake, Rick Wilton. So there's a, next time we all get together, it's going to be fun. Well, we are. We should be getting together. Are you going? Here we go. You know, never ask a question you don't know the answer. But here I go. You're going to go to first pitch in uh, in November. It's it's really going to depend on work and whether Steve Gardner is able to go because one of us has ah. to go for XFL. I am very hopeful that I get to go. I've never been to first pitch Arizona. I did go to first pitch Florida a couple of years back. Right. Uh, right. But I would, I would really love to go to first pitch Arizona, but it may be challenging with work, um, but we're going to see. And it's certainly, you know, Steve and I have to figure something out because we've been building a team together now for the last two years. And next year should be the first year that we're actually in, in the game to try to try to win it. Yeah. Uh, Steve usually has, has to deal with playoffs and, and whether Steve can go or not often has to do with whether he's covering the playoffs. So, so now that we are, the first week of November, I don't know when the World Series is. It's going to be later because of the later season, but that'll be the. I uh, think yeah. we 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 have we have allowances. You know, there's always a co uh, someone that could a co manager. There's always someone that can uh, do the do the draft for you if necessary. But we'd love to have one of you guys live. Wait, we have a question. All right, people are asking us questions. Well, who do you think we are, Clay and James? <laughs> Who do you guys feel is a better pitching prospect, Grayson Rodriguez or Jack Leiter? All right, one of the reasons that I'm in the Hall of Fame, it's not my boyish good looks. It's knowing when to stay in my lane. And my lane is not minor league pitching. I defer to people who drive in that lane much more frequently. Ian happens to be one of those people. So, Ian, Grayson Rodriguez or Jack Leiter? Well, it's it's a question. It's a good question, a fair question. If I had to choose between those two, let's say we were doing a first-year player draft, both of those players for some reason were available, I would personally go Grayson Rodriguez over Jack Leiter. Though I do like Jack Leiter. I do find it interesting um, that Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker are going to be on the same team as they were at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's pretty cool and pretty awesome. Uh, but Grayson Rodriguez, to me, has a higher ceiling. I think Leiter is going to be a really good pitcher. I think both of them will be really good. It, it's going to be somewhat dependent on how bad the injury for Rodriguez is. Uh, right now, it doesn't look terribly good. So uh, we'll see what happens. But if I had to choose, I would go Grayson Rodriguez. And the person that I go to is uh, James Anderson over at um, over at RotoWire. And, you know, as I, as I mentioned on a podcast earlier today, because it's my second guest stint of the day uh i i have access to james's list which is something that makes me uh feel very lucky so whenever i i'm looking up a guy i'm like oh man hmm, i wonder i'm i always end up going to james's list to to see and 
and and on the rotowire site you know i used to work with you guys i, I was a very happy member of the rotowire team for a long time before i moved over to the athletic where i do a podcast weekly the under the radar podcast for the athletic fantasy baseball podcast wednesdays is when i do that show with our friend eric van riper and nando defino but before i did that i was over at rotowire and i i, I just can't speak highly enough about what james does and uh the, the amount of work he puts in and his taste in players so if we if, if you ever have a question like that i would recommend using your rotor subscription heading right over to uh james's list and and taking a quick look yeah, absolutely now would your answer be different if they hadn't moved the fences back in baltimore how much of a factor is that i know it's still a little you know we don't know yet exactly how the park is playing but it certainly looks like it's helping pitchers. I, I tell you, I think we know a lot. I know by just watching the games, there are fly balls. I mean, you combine those fences moving back with the reality of the, the dead ball. And earlier in the season, there were balls that were just home runs that weren't leaving the ballpark. Yeah. And I think, I think it's extreme. I think that if, if the fences weren't moved back, I think I probably would still go Grayson Rodriguez but I think it wouldn't maybe be quite as definite. Although Texas isn't exactly, you know, a, a giant, uh, a giant ballpark there either. I mean, I, I, right. and you would know that better, even better than I. Uh, no, it, it's a, the new, the new, the new confines is a pitcher's park, especially when the roof is closed and it's been closed at all but like two games since it started. No, that's good. Now you, you, you alluded to your, your podcast with DVR and, and Nando. Man, what a, that must that must be the worst hour of your week. You know, <laughs> that, oh, that that's just it's just such a such a pain to work with those two. I, I tell you, <laughs> I tell you, those two. Uh, as I, uh, I I as I've said many times, I mean, uh, I have we've been doing it now for four years, uh, pretty much every week. We take a couple of weeks off in November and December, but then we sort of start back up in January. It's just so much fun to to work with those guys and. Uh, Derek is a genius and Nando is just the funniest man. And so, yeah, we, we just really do. We, we really have a good time just kind of shooting the breeze and talking about the game. And, and uh, I, as, as I say, uh, Nando and I are kind of like, we're like, I, I like to think of us like a sandwich and yeah. Nando and I are like the meat and the cheese and all the toppings. And Derek and Riper is the greatest ciabatta bread in the world that kind of keeps <laughs> us all together and kind of keeps us in a, in a straight line. So it's, it's, it's really pretty fantastic. Yeah. DVR knows when for all the voice, obviously, you know, DVR, he, he knows when to have fun, when to be serious, yeah. when to flip between the two, make it seamless so that you can, uh, you know, infotainment to, to coin my coin, but use one of those silly, silly words that some people don't like, but, but anyway, no, I was just being, obviously being facetious. Um, you know, Nando is something else and you know, obviously DVR, um, We'll we'll ask we'll answer Joseph in the final another last question and then we'll head on to some other things you mentioned the XFL we're going to talk about some leagues that we're in together um, huge Cincinnati Reds fan afraid they won't be able to sign all their players I mean even you know even though the, you're the dynasty guy I don't know that either of us have any insight into that really right no I mean I, mean, I what I will say is that Cam Collier fell and he fell uh, a lot further I think than people were thinking though there was some talk right before the draft that he was going to fall. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to to tell with that. One thing I, I, I do have a feeling about about Kumar Rocker last year, uh, you know, and then him moving up to the third pick. I think it's it's really fascinating how that all sort of came together. And I'm happy for him. And like I said, it'll be interesting to see the two of them in the same. But no, I, I wouldn't be uh, 
I wouldn't be too afraid that they won't be able to sign the players. No, I don't think so. Yeah, but. you mentioned Kumar Rocker. I don't. I follow the draft more as a fan than an analyst because, like you know, like I said, you I have access to James as well. <laughs> um, so the word was the Red Sox with the twenty fourth pick were all over scouting Kumar Rocker. So he goes third. I mean, to me, that's like drafting Juan Soto in the second. I mean, how can someone who goes third expect? I mean, expected to go twenty fourth. Uh, then I did a little bit of reading, you know, I, the reasons why there's so many uh, reasons. And most people thought he'd go around 15th. And if you're going to go 15th, sure. You may hope he lasts at 24. Um, but I just kind of, kind of, kind of funny that a guy, the Red Sox were all over scouting at 24 ends up going third. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that major league baseball is missing out on something. I think that the NBA and the NFL drafts are super fun for people who are involved in those sports, right? I remember there was a time where I was a big football guy and I was a big basketball guy and draft night was one of the most exciting nights of the year. And it wasn't just about the players that you really do get to know in college basketball and college football, which is one of the other reasons why it's so exciting, but it was the ability to trade picks. And I'm going to ask you, Todd, do you think that if, major league teams could trade picks that that would be something that would add to the fun for fans. Or do you think that that would be just dangerous and each team should be stuck with the, with the rules that we have? I think the trial balloon or whatever the expression is of, of, of trading the supplemental picks was kind of a, let's see, let's see if it's abused. And if it's not abused, we may see trading of the picks in the future. Was this the first year coming out of the CBA that you were allowed to trade supplemental picks i think that's been around for a little while but okay so this we just saw a trade with between kansas city and atlanta where it it felt like a fantasy baseball dynasty yeah really exactly so i think this may be kind of a litmus test to see if potential i don't know if you can if this is something well what we've learned it's it's really hard to run fantasy baseball leagues and say we can't change a rule in season when mlb does it uh, so I was going to say maybe we can't have this until the next CBA, but who knows? If the, both sides agree, I guess you can add. A but do you think it would add? Do you think it would add more to it? Because I know, I, as a, I know as a dynasty player, like I feel like the draft should be more covered. It should be more of a joyful experience on the baseball side, and it's just not. Yeah, I mean they, they're they're making they're trying and moving it to this moving it to All Star Weekend was an attempt to make it more popular. Then of course they bury it. Uh, with, with little night. coverage, yeah, yeah, yeah unfortunately. Uh, as, as long with burying the the futures game, if you will, on Saturday and putting it on a a streaming network, which I kind of understand from a from a, it's a business point of view. Mm-hmm. I understand it from it's a fan point of view. I really don't like it, but uh, you know, it's, I, I understand anyway why why it was done. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think you would see some abuse or some weird trades. But I think for the greater good, I don't think it would be abused too much. And it, it's, just, it's just another tool. I think it could be another tool. Now, how you tie it in with the money and and, and does you trade the slot money? Uh, how does that work out? Mm-hmm. Not 100% sure. And I'm sure it's like football where there's that matrix that if you're, I mean, arbitrarily, if you trade a first and a fourth, it's not like getting a second and third. You know, the first are obviously more, same as in a draft, the first round, it's not linear. The first round players are air quote worth more than the next round and the next round. It's not a linear thing. Um, but even so, I think you could work that out. And if nothing else, 
it gives you something else to pay attention to, right? Yeah, and that's what you're I, talking about. Anything that's else? What I'm talking about. Any yeah. other reason for for it to be talked about is good. And if it's a trade, is why we're talking about it. I think it's good. Yeah, I, I that's my feeling on it, and I think that they, one day that that will eventually happen. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Todd, you have you and I talk when I call you. Typically, you're on the air, and then I call you, and then you get mad at me, and like, why are you calling me? What do What do you my want? My fake we, anger is so funny, isn't it's, it? It's phenomenal. It's my, it's my fake anger on these things. Yeah. But so I have a question. There's something you've been saying that I've been thinking about an awful lot, and you are one of the best players, period, that we have in the game. We were talking about only leagues. And I, I, I tried to make, I was trying to make a trade with you and I think it was labor. I think it was AL labor. And you said that when it comes to only leagues, I hope you're, you're okay that I'm sharing this, yeah. that you have a philosophy, which is to bully hitting and manage pitching. And then you said, I'm not sure if that still works, but that's how I've been doing it. And I, I've had some success with it. What is your thinking about that, Todd? Like where, what, what is the thought process behind it? And, and why do you choose to stay with that path? This is the, I mean, this isn't anything new. This is age old. It's, it's probably back, goes back to Jason Gray. Um, now that the Tampa Bay scout, um, you, the, mainly because there are two ratio categories in hitting, I mean, pitching, which you can manage. And there's only one batting average in hitting, which is the most variable. It's the most tightly bunched. It, you can't look, you can't see it when you look at standings. But if you normalize standings, batting average is the most tightly bunched category and a little Babbitt luck here and there, you can go up and down pretty easily. Um, but, you know, so you want to concentrate on the categories you can, in theory, project and, and build for, which are the four counting stats categories. Pitching, all right, saves is unto itself. So that kind of take that out of the way. You can manage with, with you can manage your ratios. And further, pitching has got middle relievers. There's no subset on the hitting side where you can, you know, other than, I don't know, a second catcher that hits for batting average, you know, maybe that's the closest. There's no subset of, I can use this middle reliever when my starters have poor matchups to stabilize my ratios. So that's to, to man manage pitching means streaming starters with favorable matchups and using relievers when necessary to amplify or, or supplement your ratios hitting you just you need it bats at bats at bats mm -hmm. and and i think it, it holds true 
in any size league of any format, when you do rotisserie, it's just harder or easier to do depending upon the rules. Labor, harder to do because you, ha- you it's harder to stream, right? Because of yes. the it's harder to stream. Uh, tout, it's annual and annual tout. It's not that easy because you only have four reserves. We have unlimited DL, but I don't know. You've got a, a speculative player or, uh, you know, it's not easy to stream when you only have four players to stream with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mixed, it's a lot easier. I think it works a lot better in mixed. Okay. Is, so that was, I, I think that was what my question for you yeah. was, was, is that an only strategy that you employ it? Or do you employ that? That's like when you won TGFBI a couple of years ago, you won the overall in TGFBI. Did you do... Um, did you bully hitting and manage pitching? Was that your your path back then? I got lucky. Gonna... I got lucky, but no, uh, the, that was the idea. I, I, if I recall, not, I mean, I, I, I do recall. I drafted um, Mike Clevenger and Aaron Nola in the second and fourth, so I didn't completely avoid pitching, mm-hmm. but I didn't take another pitcher till a little bit further down. And Clevenger was out half the year, and Nola did not have his typical Nola year, so I won because I had Chris. This was before. This is before the the helium caught Chris Paddock and a couple of other pitchers. This is like Paddock's good year. Mm-hmm. The year we're still remembering, uh, but but the setup, sure, the the setup was to bully up hitting and to manage pitching. Um, and I just like I said, I, you know, I happened to catch a couple guys during their good years, and uh, everything else just kind of came into place. You know, hoping for a um, hoping for a second half or seventy games. I'm I'm kind of like within knocking distance of Zola's close enough to be worried about, but it's not like I'm, you know, top 10 or anything, you know, hoping for, you know, everybody has that run, those two, that those two weeks, mm-hmm. we haven't had yeah. get those two weeks and see where I am and then go from there. I just haven't had those two weeks yet, yeah. uh, but we'll, we'll see it. if they, we'll see if they occur. But yeah, I think that, I mean, and, and I, people are winning leagues. You're doing well in tout. We can talk about that, but Doug Dennis is doing well in AL tout and he's taking advantage of the no minimum inning rule. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Is that, is that what he's using? Yeah. Now a lot of people have tried. I mean, if one in 10, if one, if one try in 10 wins the league, does that mean we're going to change the rule? Heck no. I mean, that means nine hmm. times it didn't work, you know, and t- for those that don't know, it's an AL only league and we decide five by five, we decided, that we don't want a minute, we don't need an, in, an innings minimum. If you're willing to sacrifice strikeouts and wins, then and try to, you know, because Tout's kind of no one remembers second place and there's no money involved. So it is, you know, win or go home. And that uh, sacrificing okay. punting like that is it, is it, it's a, it's a way to come in third. It's not a way to come in first, right? Usually. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of punting categories. Yeah. At, at really ever. And the idea of punting two categories seems uh impossible frankly i mean i guess i guess you you're you're you know you're gonna buy up some saves and then you're gonna get get middle relievers is that is that what doug did yeah now in general you know we're strategy guys this works better in a redraft scenario where the top competition is pretty tight Mm -hmm. so there's no no one like i mean i know you're uh Last year, you kind of ran away with labor, and Eno's kind of running away with labor this year. But that's kind of rare. They're usually pretty tightly in an AL only and NL only. They're usually tightly balanced, and that and that mm-hmm. and you need that in order to win. Sacrificing 
what is I mean, how many points does Doug have right now? How many, how many points does he have? Uh, I will, I will call it up. I won't be able to see you, but I will call it up. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you, you're, you're in, in essence sacrificing what 22 points, right. In a, in a, in a, in a league of this nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, usually need what 90 is 90. Mm-hmm. The 90 is sort of the, what you shoot for in a keeper league, you shoot for a little bit higher, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think you aim for 90. In a 12 Doug game. is 94. Jeff Erickson's at 88. And oh, okay. Larry, uh, glad Larry's back and at it again. Larry's got 77. So, you know, it, right now it's a race between Doug and Doug and Jeff. And looking at Doug's lineup uh, at a glance, well, not at a glance, I'm, I'm looking at it. Keegan Aiken, Hector, well, this, it could be your short week lineup. I'll have to check, but Keegan Aiken, Hector Neris, Clay Holmes, Chafin, Barlow, Seawald, Castillo, Griffin, Jackson, Munoz. He's just going uh, strong relievers. Got some saves with Seawald, right? Mm-hmm, He's sure. emerged. Uh, Clay Holmes, obviously, and uh, and Barlow. And as an AL East person, you know how well Keegan Aiken has done this year, right? Yeah, yeah, he's fine. I mean, I just... I mean, I guess he saved a lot of money in the auction is, is what we're saying. So then he just, he really bullied hitting and then managed pitching in a unique way because Holmes didn't cost him anything. Seawall probably cost him about nine bucks at most. Eight, yeah, eight bucks. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I mean, who did he pay for? So it must yeah. be on the hitting side. I yeah. Mean, so hitting... Ja- yeah. Jackson Munoz were, were pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, real, uh, so semi in a 25 didn't hurt. Romero, uh, Jose Jose Ramirez, George Springer, and some guy named Aaron Judge at 31. 31 is good. You know, at the time, you know, I mean, we can you know, we can talk a little about Aaron Judge. Now, everybody, yeah. you know, he's so cool that he bet on himself. Did he bet on his talent or did he bet on his health? Both. I think his talent was a given, right? I think he bet on mm-hmm. his health. Yeah, I think he bet on his health too. And I, I, I got a little worried about his health about two weeks ago or about yeah. 10 days ago. Where he he really looked like he wasn't a hundred percent, but boy, I tell you that guy, I love him so much. He is legitimately my favorite Yankee that I've ever uh, watched, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I made a little quip on Twitter this week. It's really hard as a Red Sox fan to see how likable this Yankees team is. I mean, that was after the All Star game with with Cortez and yeah uh, Tre- Trevino. They shined. Um, I've, I've mentioned this publicly. It, Aaron Judge, there were two incidences early in the season. There was that wasn't there something with a Toronto fan. Yep, that's right. Uh, the, he the, hit a home run, yeah. and uh, the guy who caught it in a real nice Toronto kind of way, eh? He uh, caught the ball and <laughs> handed it to a Aaron Aaron Judge jersey wearing kid, which is yeah. just so sweet. And then Judge met the guy who gave the ball and the kid. Yes, yeah, so that's one. What's the other one? The other one. Remember the incident where the bottle was thrown. Yes, it may have been mm-hmm. Oscar Mercado. Yes, you are correct. Cleveland outfielder. 100%. So the 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 Yankees are doing their high fiving, celebrating a victory, and Judge sees what's going on. And Stanton, and he, Stanton did too. They both right. Did. Okay, yeah, I, I remember. I, Judge is taller. Maybe no. I I, I, I will. You you follow it. Stanton did too. Uh, but they ran. The point is, they ran out to the outfield mm-hmm. and they calm they they calm the situation down. Yes, and I think that I just that was just that was really cool. I mean, look, I'll tell you, and, and that was one of the worst moments as a Yankee fan right. to watch those people uh, behave in such a trash way. Sorry, I don't mean to 
No, it was just a bad. It was no, just bad. and you know what? There's there fans that they I mean, I mean, there fans there everywhere. It's that's it's, right, that's right. But everywhere. it was a, it was a tough day to be a Yankee fan, right? And not acknowledge. And I'm not a Yankee fan who's like everything they do is the best. And we're New York, and hey, look at you guy, everything go with you. No, we don't. I don't, I don't buy into any of that. Right. Yes, Aaron Judge is a gentleman. Aaron Judge is. I'm lucky enough to own him in every dynasty league that I have. Um, and he's the one guy, I think, I think there was a moment where you and I were talking trade and you said, you know, if Aaron judge could be in that deal, a lot of other things <laughs> could be discussed. And I said, no, 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 no. Even with that contract, it's a fair contract. It's $19 with a $3 jump and an OBP. He's yeah. going to be, he's going to be worth his value for another yeah. four five, six years. Um, and just, he, he's just a true gentleman and he thinks of others ahead of himself. I mean, I, I He's the closest thing we've had to a captain since Derek Jeter retired. And, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees play chicken with the guy and he's playing chicken back. And I, I just hope that my sons get to continue watching Aaron Judge and, and I, that I get to continue watching him. Because otherwise, right. every time he comes to New York, that's going to be the hottest ticket in town just so everyone can cheer for him. I mean, he is he is rightfully beloved in New York. He's just uh, he's a real gentleman. What's going to happen with your guys? As a Red Sox fan, what's it like for you to see Mookie Betts in a Los Angeles Dodgers uniform and Chris Sale and J.D. Martinez in a Boston Red Sox uniform? And then what happens with two legitimate stars? And and I saw the Dustin Pedroia 15-second clip. Did you see that? Where Pedroia was talking about Xander Bogarts? Yeah, and you saw Poppy throwing the money on Bogarts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What do you, and I think Poppy was throwing the money on Devers a little bit more than he was throwing on Bogarts. Well, he was literally throwing. I mean, it was on. It was in an interview on oh, yeah, All Star yeah. Weekend. He had like some machine that he was twirling, and money was <laughs> money was coming out on the on one of the panel. I mean, so he's if you only keep one, Todd Zola as a, as a diehard. If you could only, if you could only keep one, who do you keep? Uh Devers. Because Bogart, they have story for shortstop. They've got middle infielders coming up, and Devers. I mean, it's just such a, such a great hitter. Uh, yeah, he is. He could go to first. He can go to DH, and he can crush crush it. I want to. I'd like to keep. I wish. I wish Bogarts would move off of shortstop because he's not. He's he's better this year. I I will give it. I will I will give him that. He's better than he's been. Um, to me, what the Yankees did, and I've talked about, I wrote about this. What the, what Brian Cashman did to improve their middle infield, their defense up the middle, was yep. silly. And he's not going to win Executive of the Year because you don't Yankees don't get it, but he should. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I, I and I'm sure I was doing this on the RotoWire podcast back when I was back with you guys. I, I played catcher; that was my position. I was a catcher in high school. I played catcher in college for the time that I was playing, and I really think that the importance of a catcher to a team is much greater than I think what people understand. Mm -hmm. I, I still argue that if Jorge Posada was not the catcher for the New York Yankees during the 2001 to 2010 run, that we would have had more championships. But if, if, if Trevino's value, I mean, Isaiah Conor-Falefa has been fine. He's been fine. Moving Glaber off of shortstop has been huge, right. both for him emotionally, being able to go to second base and just, I, I know how to do this. I don't have to think twice about it. But Trevino behind the plate, the, the difference in watching a guy, I mean, we're on video, so I'll show you, watching a catcher <laughs> catch the ball like this, which is what Sanchez spent all of his years doing, and watching a guy do this, which is what Trevino does, 
is the difference between a 4.5 ERA and a 3.75 ERA. It's that 3-2 pitch. Do you catch it in the right way? Trevino has been a freaking revelation for this team. It's fantastic that he made uh, the all-star, the all-star team fully deserved it. And, um, and yes, I, I think that that little trade, just getting Sanchez off the team. I'm not a huge Josh Donaldson guy. Um, he's a bit of a, but, but he also brings a little bit of just edge to the team. He's a jerk and he doesn't care. I don't like him, but he's a jerk and he's good at it. So he brings a little edge. I agree with you. I think Cashman's done a fantastic job. I think it's, I think that the Astros are, Probably going to be the best team in baseball in the American League this year. Just watching how they play against the Yankees. It's just a, it's, it's a, a tough matchup, but I think that the Yankees have put themselves into a really good position to, uh, I, I mean, I, I just looked at the playoff picture again and realized the very good likelihood the Yankees are going to get that first round by. It's going to be the Yankees and the Astros probably. Oh, for and sure. What a, I don't, what a yeah. huge advantage that's going to be. Yeah, for uh, sure. Now, as far as the catchers go, you mentioned getting rid of Sanchez. But uh, the Cashman's plan was for Ben uh, Rortfit to be the guy. And so I'm not going to say he lucked into Trevino because it was a clever pickup. But plan A was, was I don't mispronouncing it, was uh, Ben Rortvert, who's, Rortvet, who still hasn't played. He's, hey. he's, in, he's in doing rehab, but he still hasn't played yet. Yeah, but that's a left-handed bat, and that's what he was going for. But now yeah. Jose Trevino, I mean, Nestor Cortez and Jose Trevino, to me, and I talked about this on the, the Baseball HQ podcast that will be coming out later today and uh, tomorrow, rather, uh, that I was lucky enough to do with Patrick Davitt. Todd Zola, look, I did the Baseball HQ. It was very exciting for me. And then, uh, but but I talk about on the on the show all the time on Under the Radar is I watch how the players play the game. Yeah, I watch the energy that they bring to it. That's That's my deciding factor when I decide before the season there's value and also what is the self-talk that the player has in their head. That is so huge. And I make a distinction between Jamison Tyone and Nestor Cortez. Who's got better stuff? Tyone, it's not even a question. Who's got better stuff going on up here? Nestor Cortez, not even a question for me. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a great inning with uh, he and Trevino out there. Uh, what, what are you going to call? And I like the fact that they they talk the way we talk, you know, heater down and low. You know, if he, you better get there. You better get yeah, there. You better get Yeah, exactly. Oh, I better get it there. Know, that, that, oh, that was, was so cool. I it, it did have a little peek there, Todd, for me of the future of what baseball could be. The yeah. only problem that I had was with the Astros, they'd figure out a way to like get the answer to the question. I mean, I'm not just the Astros. Maybe the Yankees would do it. Maybe the Red Sox would do it. The, any, any team would do it. But if that was part of baseball somehow, if they could do it in a way that the that the battery pack on their back wasn't going to get in the way of the game. Like watching Alec Manoa. Yeah, that was fun. Oh my God. It was a blast. No, I mean, I, that kid, that kid. Uh, I, when they first, was it Fox or ESPN? I guess whichever, I think it was ESPN Sunday night. When they first started to do those broadcasts, the old stew, you know, get off my lawn. This is, how can you interfere with the game? Then, you know, these are pretty cool. These are very entertaining. If the player, if the player was willing to do it, who am I to say no? I'll tell so, you one thing that I don't want. I don't want guys up at bat doing that it's too dangerous i i i really don't think right. i like guys in the field i like right. guys in the field that's like the best pitchers like it's got to be the all-star game to get away with that because yeah well, like if the game actually yeah. counted you couldn't really get away but i love the idea of the pitcher and the catcher being able to just talk to each other i mean trevino and cortez i mean it was just so it was so like alive it was it was so fantastic it was really 
really special. Yeah. I have another question for you, Todd Zola. Yes. Um, if Juan Soto is traded, if Juan Soto is traded, do you think that's something that's good for the Nationals and baseball? Or is that something that is bad for the Nationals and baseball? Um, I think it's bad. Bad for both. Without knowing the package, I can't, you know, say definitely it's bad for the Nationals, but I think it's bad for baseball. And and the Nationals, I'm not, I I I I'm not a believer in small market teams. Team any team has the money to save any player. It's whether they want to or not. And sure, some teams have a larger stream of income, but everybody's got the money to to keep their own players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I think it's bad for the game. Um, because I, you, I think you need to you should be able to keep your players now. But you know, from a player's point of view, maybe they were drafted by a team in an area they don't want to stay in. So I understand why some players may want to move. I don't know that that's the case with Soto. So I don't think that every team is going to keep every single player, et cetera. But um, I do think it's bad for the game uh, if they are if they're forced to trade him. I think Washington made a well, and this isn't. I think this is pretty obvious. They made a high enough that the fans can't complain, but low enough that Soto's not going to Boris isn't going to take it type offer. Yeah, fifteen year. I mean, absurd amount of money four hundred and forty five million dollars. Yeah. There's an offer, uh, you know, I kind of imagine in my head, like, all right, if he was available in XFL at that price, what would you give, right? So you look at the San, there's only two teams that I can really think of. We talked about this a little bit under the radar, but I thought about it more. Um, and the two teams that I talked about then are the two teams that I'm still talking about now, which are the San Diego Padres, they could get them, and the Seattle Mariners, and they could get them. And what's fascinating to me about both of those situations for gosh sakes, if he goes to the Padres, could you imagine a lineup that has Tatis, Machado, and so- Soto and Machado? I can. I like that idea. Or if he goes to Seattle in a deal that'll bring you George Kirby, Novelli Marte, uh, Emerson Hancock. Uh, there's got to be more. You got to get more. Uh, I don't know. Mitch Hanniger. Let's throw Hanniger in there, right? Why not? Why you gotta, not? You gotta... They've got a. They've got a few catchers. They can probably throw him a catcher. Oh no, no, no. Kelnick. Well, That's a Kelnick. They, it's Kelnick. they got Ruiz. They don't need a catcher. And they've got. Yeah. They've got. They've got Kelnick. The Kelnick would definitely go on that deal. So you're talking Kelnick and Emerson Hancock and George Kirby and Novelli Marte and maybe even one more piece like that. But then you have a team that has Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto in the same lineup. I mean. And you yeah, kept just, Logan Gilbert. You you kept you kept yeah, your you keep Logan Gilbert. You, you keep you know you gave him one pitcher, but you're keeping Gilbert, and it's a park where you can then acquire another more pitching, you know, et cetera. So yeah, um, the so that's why I don't know too. that it would be. I don't think it's good for the Washington Nationals though. You you make a trade like that sometimes in a dynasty league, you got to make a trade like that. You know, it's it's all what the market will bear, and the fact that they didn't send a plane for the guy. I mean, not that I think people should be sending planes for everybody, but it is a sign of like, you know, not a lot of love right now. And I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be yeah. shocked if they actually trade Juan Soto. And how do you trade Juan Soto from the Washington? It's not the it's not the Milwaukee, the Kansas City Royals. Right. This yeah. is the Washington Nationals. Darn they it. Just won a champion. You know, they got all the money, the playoff money. You know, I mean, so you get out this package, you're going to have to pay these players, too. Yeah, but you, you know, have like, six years to build. Right, well, so you're gonna let you know that. So the, 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 you know, it's it's one of those things where, um, to me, the an offer should be a, a fair offer should be made, 
and let Soda decide if he wants to take it or go to another team. And we, I don't think we've seen that air quote fair offer. I, I, I guess, I mean, and I wasn't sure from judge's perspective, going back to Aaron judge at the beginning, you know, you guys have the, the Chris sale and the uh, Nathan Nivaldi and the JD Martinez. So you lose Mookie bets, right? Like that's why you lose Mookie bets. If you don't have those other guys, I, I, I know that there's reports to the contrary, but I don't think Mookie Betts wanted to stay in Boston. Why is that? Uh, I just don't think he did. And I don't, I'm not going to go down any racial lines. I'm not implying that, I or I don't mean to imply that. I, I just, I don't think he wanted, I just, I get the impression. You know, he says he wanted to stay if they, if he had, if the Dodgers had offered him the Red Sox, the Red Sox had offered the Dodgers money, he'd stay. So maybe I'm all wet. And I only recently heard that. I've been, I've been I'm all wet. What the, what? We're back in 1952. Well, I'm all sweating and being old. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm full of crap. But um, but anyway, so I still, I, I think the possibility exists that Betts didn't want to stay in Boston. Okay, that makes I think that, 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 that. I think that. I think the possibility exists. But do you think, think? What about for Bogarts? Back to Bogarts endeavors. I'm just going right back to your heartstrings here, buddy. Yeah. Do well, you think I, that they want to stay in New York in in Boston? I don't know about Bogarts. We'll find out because of the opt out, and I don't know about. I mean, I, I think Devers probably does. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. I love it here, but. I can see why others might not. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see if they can come up with the money or if they want to come up with the money. Bogarts is going to have to move off a of, off a of shortstop. I just where does he go ahead. though? I mean, is it yeah? Then, that's tough. Devers go to first, and then and then are you paying a premium price on Bogarts as a shortstop? But then he's moving off of his premium well, that's position. Exactly the same. You can say the same. That's part of the issue with Devers right now is they're copying him to Matt Olson at a first baseman, and Devers is saying, "Well, I'm a third baseman." And Boston's saying, well, by the time your contract's over, you're going to be a DH. So, you know. That doesn't sound great. I I, I think, I feel like the, the Red Sox tend to be a little less respectful maybe than they need to be. You know, at least with Judge. I mean, it's a little strange, frankly. I, I remember looking at that those numbers, six years, 240 million or some odd. And Judge is like, absolutely not, not even close. It's like, Really? Really, not even close. I mean, are you sure? Because yeah. that's yeah. pretty. It's a lot of money. Yeah. I pretty, think. I think the Red good. Sox look for value as much as they they can afford to bully contracts, but I think they're looking for value too, and that's part of High and Blooms. That's why they got them. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it'll work. Sure. And, and part of, and this is you know, the same thing with Mookie. You know, yeah, you're going to lose him, but I'm not saying Verdugo, but you're going to get players that are going to play. People forget that the Red Sox were on the verge of being in the world series last year, you know, they, they had Houston beat. Then Houston came back and, and obviously didn't beat them or they didn't, you know, but they were they, that close to being in the world series without Mookie without, you know, so without, well, with sale, but not really with sale. No, no. He was out at that point. He had the surgery. I'm he was back. No, no, no. He was, it wasn't sale back. Oh, no, that's right. He was back from the, the TGA. He was back towards the end of the year. That's right. I'm thinking. The, and then he had a rib to start right. this year. A rib. I don't rib, know why rib. I said it like that. It's a yeah, rib. Well, but um, a broken pinky. Yeah, but yeah, boy, boy, oh boy. And I was uh, Rob Mershak, my partner in uh, the main event in GDD and DL1 and TGFBI. Uh, he, uh, he we, we were stashing Chris Sale in the main event for this whole season uh, to uh, build up on strikeouts towards the end of the season. So that's a, that's a sad thing. But but other good things are happening. So it's, it's okay. Yeah. 
I want to quickly you mentioned catching and 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 presenting, not 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 um, framing, presenting. I wrote this about you know in my, in my Todd's takes a little while ago. As a scientist, as someone who umpired for half a summer in Babe Ruth League, nice. I it, framing drives me crazy. It shouldn't work. Oh, it the works. Ball is a, it, it's it shouldn't. I know the numbers say it does. So the sign, I know it does. But mm-hmm. the strike should be as it goes over the plate. And I've had. People that are more advanced in science than I am uh, explain this. There's a reactionary pause, and it, it, yeah, the, the, you know. The, so um, I invented this game, and you kind of alluded to it with Trevino, and I wrote about it. It's so weird. Uh, watch five pitches of an arbitrary game. Watch how the catcher presents the ball. Do they take everything and snap it to the middle of the plate? Never. Or as you suggest, do they only subtly move the balls in the corners? To the not to the middle, but to to the to the edge. Yep. And you you can almost guess if they're going to be a good or bad frame. Well, no, you can't almost. At least I was able to. All right, I watched five pitches. This guy snatches everything towards the middle. He's going to negative framing score. Go to Fangraphs, look it up. Minus two. This next guy, you know, took two outside pitches and just brought him to the corner and didn't even try to frame a couple pitches that were just so way off, whereas everybody else was bringing them. I'll bet you he's, you, know, you can guess who's a positive framer by watching like five pitches. And here's what I'll tell you. An undervalued part of Major League Baseball, from my perspective, is the called third strike on a check swing and how the catcher points to the umpire and how the hitter goes to first base. Yeah. It's all in that moment of the got him. If you stand up and you like Gary Sanchez, we catch the ball and I go, Oh yeah, right. Yo, check it. No, oh, that's fine. Whereas you got Trevino going, yo, he got, we got him. We got him. That then makes that mm, call for the umpire. If, if you, if the catcher is doing it with that level of excitement and we got him now, the umpire has to go over the top of what the catcher has just done. I think it changes 20% of pitches. 20% of those, those, those little moments, those little, those little tiny in between parts of baseball. I think it matters. I think it matters. I th- it does, but I think there's another end of that. And I, I like watching this at the AFL. You can tell when some home plate umpires just are PO'd that they're, that the review is being asked for because they're sure the guy didn't check swing. Then you can kind of tell where they want that review because they're not sure. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think what, knowing when to ask for it, matters i don't think you mm-hmm. i don't think you i don't think you ask for it every single little bitty time because then you get the boy who cried wolf thing from the umpire maybe yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have to check the umpire is not required to check with the uh with the base coach or the base umpire no but as soon so, as the catcher calls for it you gotta the, the 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 umpire has to make a call on it he doesn't have to he doesn't have to um request help though no no but if the catcher asks right. for for it then the umpire is going to have to make the call. Right, right. Sometimes they ask for help. Sometimes, well, the catcher is asking for asking him to ask for help. He doesn't always have. Oh, to. I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I always thought that like as soon as the catcher makes the request, that's enough. That the umpire doesn't have to ask. That has nothing to do no, with the, the home plate the, umpire. The, no, the catcher is just the catcher is just trying to steal a call. I mean, I, the catcher can. It's irrelevant. What I mean, they're trying to influence it, but I don't think there's a, a rule that says. Because the catcher asked for it, it has to be done. Oh, all right. Well, if someone else has a, a theory about that or a thought about that, yeah. 
Uh, Todd Zola can be reached at Todd Zola on Twitter. Is that go. what it is? And I'm at, at Ian Con four on Twitter. Go. Don't go to at Ian Con. That's the actor podcast. <laughs> that's the actor Twitter that doesn't have any. Well, you can go baseball. there, but just don't ask questions about. You can go there, but about I, baseball. Yeah. Hey, I, I did want to pull something from the from the chat. Um, okay. Because I have really strong opinions about this, and I I don't think I've ever really talked about it. If you guys had your way, what rule would you put in or take out? Mine is the runner starts out at second base in the in the tenth. Todd Zola, what do you think about the Manfred runner, the the phantom runner, the ghost runner, the man at second base in the tenth? Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Love um, it, love it, love it, love it. Go. Um, no, I just I I think it it, it I'm not a fan. And I, I like I like the word zombie. I've heard zombie. Mm-hmm. And Zombie's it was, good. It was on the broadcast because they explained the runner came up from the dead. Okay, I like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I like that. I buy that. I know it just. I mean, it's, especially in these zero zero one to one games, they're so cool. Let's let's earn that ex, the extra suspense. My suspense is you know getting the runner on organically and trying to get him home. I under again I understand why they're doing it. And if the question was. You can only, you know, you need you can only get rid of one seven inning double headers or the ghost runner. I would mm-hmm. get rid of seven inning double headers. Yes. Um, I'm just I'm just not a fan of the um of, of the ghost runner. Um, okay. The the zombie runner, because I like yeah. I like what you're saying about the zombie <laughs> runner. I enjoy that. Here's my here's my take on the zombie runner. Let's call it the zombie runner. Yep. I freaking love the zombie runner, and here's why. As soon as that zombie runner, it's called the California rules, by the way. I don't know. If yeah, I know. I, I try to find out why, but I can't. Anyway. It's a, in Little League. It's called the California rules. And oh, like yeah. Little League. It's from Little League. All right. Um, there we go. What ends up happening for me as soon as the as soon as extra innings start is it, 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 it it's a little bit like and I've never said this before. I've never really thought about it before. It's a little bit like the four on four in NHL, which I don't follow. So I don't know if, if that's cool or that's not cool, but it lifts the whole game for me immediately into a higher octane. So it takes it from being the, the you know, the, the national pastime, if you will, into a very exciting. It's like, all right, it all comes down to every pitch now. Now, in the extra innings, at least from my perspective, 13th inning, 14th inning, it's like I've had enough at a certain point. And then it becomes a game of attrition. It's like who's going to run out of pitching first? That's one style of game. But for me, just that first choice, and it gives, first of all, also gives the home team a tremendous advantage because if the other team doesn't score, right, if the other team doesn't come through with a, with, with a score, then that move to bunt the guy over, all of a sudden you're building the tension, which is really what it's all about for me, is that tension of, oh, my God, is this going to go? Is this going to go? And then you got to get – you got yourself into a mess, and you got to figure out your way out of a mess, as opposed to one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So to me, once we get to the 10th inning, uh, I enjoy the game even more. I love it. I know I'm 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 outside of the purest. No, honest. I don't know that you are. I may be I mean, all wet. I may be all wet. I'm all I think, wet. I'm you, all I wet. don't know. I mean, I think the people are growing to it. You know what? I I like the the tension. I mean, I understand the tension, but I like the build to the tension. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe playing the tenth and eleventh under regular rules and instead in the twelfth inning or something like. Because I also get what you're talking about pitching and. Uh, you know, destroying bullpens for the next day, et cetera, et cetera, where that detracts from from the regular game. I can understand that. So maybe the, maybe the compromise is tenth and eleventh, or even maybe even maybe just the tenth. But now we're you know ten whatever an inning or two, uh, regular rules. 
I mean, I would be then, okay with. It. I yeah. would if, for the purest side, but but for me, the game gets my and my my wife was looking at the game. We were watching a game recently, and she's like, "What the hell's going on? Why is he on second base?" I was like, "You just figuring this out now?" Huh? Yeah. And she was like, "Yeah, but this doesn't make any sense. Why is he? How to get to second base?" And and I yeah. said, "Well, it's called the uh, he's there, and it's gonna and what it does is boom, boom, boom." And, she, and then she was sitting there watching. She's like, "Oh yeah, I guess it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. It's like." It's manufactured excitement, but Michael K over at the Yes Network, who I used to just abhor listening to, like I just couldn't bear him. I just sorry, sorry, Michael K. But now I've sort of grown to like him. I think you know he's 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 grown on me a little bit after 25 years. Uh, he hates it. He's like, oh, this is stupid. I think most people in in baseball kind of hate it. I, I I think I'm on the outside on this one. I think it's a cl- closer to 50 50 than you may think, but um... okay. You know, yeah, I someone think, joked. Dennis, well, I mean, Dennis Eckersley would love it because it gets them out of there earlier. Uh, <laughs> also, and here's here's where I'm going to ask you this because you're very smart and you're hired by all the big places. ESPN loves you. Roto, wherever you you know, Mass they tolerate, they, they tolerate every, me. They well, they love you and they they keep you around. I wonder if there's been an article written about how it changes the value of closers. This this rule because you're seeing more closers get wins now than you ever have before. And I'm not smart enough or patient enough to really figure it out. I mean, I guess I could figure it out, but like, does it, does the home teams like, so if Chapman comes, not Chapman, Clay Holmes comes on or Tanner Hoke, let's do Hoke, you're home in Fenway. The game is tied. He comes on in the ninth or he, or he pitches the 10th. You just get a chance to get. It just feels like there's more chances for wins for well, guys yeah. in our game. Yeah, there might be, and I that is something we can look. I mean, there's a bunch of things. Joe Sheehan talks about it on Twitter, and uh, you know, broadcast etc. Too, or or podcast uh, radio spots where the run scoring. You know, when I am I going to have to go back and with projections back out all the runs scored in extra innings and or scored against position players to get a better feel for a player's true value because the, the number of, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, I think it might be fun to talk about, but when you actually check the numbers out, I don't think, I don't think they're that adding much. that much. I don't I think, think it adds that much. I don't think it does, but no. it's something at least it's, it does asking the question. You're not an imbecile. If you ask the question. Yeah, but no, I, I, no, you know, it just not, seems not, like a little yeah. bit more work than, than I don't exactly. know if it's going to pay off quite yeah. because then this BABIP and, and everything else, the error bars are, it's going to get lost in the mat and in the haze, you know, if it, but anyway, I mean, it, it is worth with, with so many position players, uh, but I'm trying to think if there was one rule that I would change. I mean, other than, you know, if there's another rule that I would change what it might be, um, I'm not, I don't know at this point. I mean, that's the, that's the key rule that, and well, would you be for or against, and I'm going to surprise myself with this answer. Would you be for or against if it was workable from a logistical standpoint, it didn't shut the game down all the time. Would you be for or against robot umpires for the, I, for balls and strikes? All right. Um, I am changing my tune on that one. Now the whole framing incident we talked about, that's gone, right? Yeah, I mean, we'd be totally that, gone. That's, that's gone. All right. My concern is it turns in wiffle ball where the ball lands in the chair, hits a strike and you, you know, the ball never crossed the plate, but it landed in the chair. So it's a strike. Um, If the ball barely ticks the corner and that's going to be called a strike, that's going to ruin the game. However, if they come up with the right portion of the ball, half the ball, a third of the ball, if they come up with the right amount of the ball, 
that has to be in the strike zone to make the zone most emulate what we what we have, but not have any misses, I could be okay with it. But I still would prefer better trained umpires because I like the catcher umpire dynamic that we talked about. I like that part of the game. Mm -hmm. I like people, you know, people framing is cheating. I don't know. It's not cheating. I don't think no, it's, it's cheating. cheating. It's not I don't cheating. Think it's, it's not, I don't think it's cheating at all. You know? call well, I mean, there's some, you know, the, it's kind of a hyperbolic argument when you're not again, you know. So I, if they could come up with a, a robo-ump that the strike zone was more representative of what we actually have, if it was called right, okay. But I still like the the dynamic of um, of the catcher and, and uh, the catcher having to do, you know, having to at least receive the ball. Otherwise, you know, they're going to always get in a position to throw runners out. I think it's going to change what a, how a catcher has to play. Yeah, I think you're right. It's so funny. I, I started this answer in one direction, and now I'm going in another direction. I'm tired of watching Aaron Judge get called out on strikes that are at his ankles because umpires are silly. Although I will say Aaron, uh, Aaron Booney, Booney. Did you ever, do you ever watch the John boy videos? Oh yeah. Okay. oh yeah. So, I mean the, 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 my favorite one that I watch with my family at least like once a month is um, make the Evan adjustment, make the Evan adjustment. That's a, it's like, what was, where was that pitch? Like he's, he's six foot seven. That would have been a strike if he was six, eight. And he does that. And he goes, you get out of my face. You make the adjustment. Booney. I love that. I just, that, I just, They're that savages. one, that the, no, no, that's the old one. Savages know, in the box one. That's the is the old one. one. This is, this is a, a, a sort I, of a newer yeah. one. Um, but that being said, there's something about the, the vulnerability of baseball. The fact that human beings are doing it. It's just, sometimes it's just so absurd. Where it's like, come on, man! Like, really, you're calling that a ball? I think it's more most egregious when the ball's like right down the middle and they call it a ball. And well, it's like, the other thing, and I wrote, I wrote about this too. Uh, part of my Todd's yeah. takes, I get to, I get to vent like this. I'm, I don't understand how we can be so married to a two dimensional rectangle to represent a three dimensional strike zone. And broadcasters, they, you know, they they show the pitch and. It, you know, where, where was that box? Was it the beginning of the plate? Was it the back of the plate? Where, where, where was, you know, it's a three-dimensional zone. And if, okay, so a ball is in the zone, uh, you know, out of the, you know, this is where you can get high pitches fall into the zone at the back and, and low pitches be a strike hmm. uh, at the beginning, but not, you know, so I, I, maybe I'm just, maybe they're not, maybe they have a way of doing it and they don't explain it to the, to the viewer, but how can you be so married to a rectangle to represent a three-dimensional cube? I don't get it. And then you got parallax and different camera, different camera angles where you're being fooled. I mean, you're being fooled. Does it go through the box? Well, the camera's over here and parallax being how high it is. I think we're fooled by this two-dimensional box. Not the judge doesn't get some bad calls. Some bad calls. <laughs> some bad calls. But I think I think we're getting fooled a bit. By being so married to this two-dimensional box. Make the F an adjustment. Make the <laughs> adjustment. You make the adjustment, Booney. Uh. Love it. I just, I just love it. And and now as we are getting close, the three pitcher. Uh, thank you, Joseph Nelson, for uh, putting together uh, some of these questions here. I'm going to give my quick uh, vibe on all this. 
love having the DH. There's no question about that. I I, yeah. I, I think it's it's a far superior game. And the three pitcher has to face three batters. I like that role too. I also am excited for um, the uh, pitch clock. I'm good with yeah. the pitch clock. I I, I, yeah. I love watching guys who work quickly. I don't like guys who are like sitting up there and taking their temperature and looking out of the field and looking at, no, 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 get to it. Hop two, hop skip. How about, and this one I'm, I'm split on the, the shift. I am, ah, I am split I have, on the shift. I got feelings about the shift. Um, which way, I, where, where, which way do you, I mean, I've talked about it, so I'm not, not a secret. I which haven't really talked about it. I haven't really talked about it that much. I do not like the shift. I think that it hurts the game personally. This is my personal opinion. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the shift. I think it's unfair. You could make the argument that, well, Joey Gallo just needs to learn to bunt. And I agree with that. Joey Gallo needs to learn to bunt down the third baseline. Um, but it makes the game. I, I think that you should have, I could be wrong. It's just my dumb opinion. And I ain't that bright about a lot of stuff. I think you should have two guys on either side of the infield. I think two guys on either side of the infield. If you want to play with like up the middle, that's fine. But I, I don't like the taking the third baseman, putting him into short right field. I just, just not a fan of that. I, I like a, I also like a, a hard ground ball up the middle being a base hit. You know, I, I, I miss that. I feel like that's, I, I try to teach kids how to, how to do that. Um, I hit the ball up the middle. That's where nobody's at. Yeah. Well, I mean, now they are. When I played softball, such a pull hitter, my I always aim to take the pitcher's head off, and I'd usually take the pitcher, the third base coach's head off. But anyway, that's not nice. My, I, well, I never would do Todd, it. Todd. I never would do it, but that's Todd. the way to get my slow down a bit. I'm no Ariel. I'm no Ariel at softball. Hey, listen, don't get me started because I'll be doing Ariel Cohen impressions <laughs> for the next three hours if you give me the opportunity. <laughs> I really right, so, will. I do enjoy I doing that. All right. So as far as the shift goes, I'm kind of like two faced with this. As the scientist analyst. You should be rewarded for doing the research and knowing where the teams, where the players can hit the ball. Okay. But I'm with you. It's a boring game. Um, mm -hmm. By, by having to play defensive on either side, you're now introducing more athletic players. Uh, Brendan Lau could not be as good of a second baseman as he is without the shift. They, Tampa just knows exactly where to put his ass. That's all. They know exactly where to put him. With a shift, he's maybe not such a great second baseman. And more more athletic players, you get more speed, you get more balls mm -hmm. in play. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a better game without the shift. Mm -hmm. I agree. But darn it, the guy that was a scientist for all those years, you should be rewarded for doing your research. Yeah, all right. So I, I am, it. you know, sorry. So, you know, people should learn to hit the other way. And, and okay. Yeah, yeah. I if agree with could, that. If you could stop, base, stop baseball for 10 years and start teaching people that are, 13 years old, you know, and 16, 17, you know, yeah, but it's, we're not going to wait that long for that to occur. Well, you know, I mean, as Ariel Cohn would often say, you know, really what you need to do is find value as often as you possibly can. And if you find that value, and if you find value in hitting the ball the other way, then the good things will happen. If I can say the reason I did that is because this week we had Ariel Cohen on as a guest. Nando yeah. was out for the week. Uh, we had Ariel on with uh, myself and Derek had Ariel on. And there was at the end of our show, if you like a good Ariel Cohen impression, a conversation between George Washington and Ariel Cohen that is in the post credit scene of this <laughs> Wednesday's uh, Under the Radar show. So if you have a chance to give a, give us a listen, you'll get a little taste of, of Ariel Cohen 
along the way. And uh, I, I do. Ariel's a good friend of mine, and I, I enjoy him very, very much. And I enjoy doing impressions of Ariel Cohen, to be honest. And he won his softball league, the Wednesday night softball league. Well, it, and you know, it's not a surprise, not a surprise at all. I mean, you know, I'm pitching. It's very hard to beat me. I, I, you know, I make things hard on everybody. No, I understand. I didn't check it out myself, but DVR claims that he was uh, an unsuccessful attempt at a Nando impression. Oh, first of all, it's Nando, not Nando. Oh, I'm sorry. It makes Nando very sad when people call him Nando. Here's what I'll tell you. This week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Nando was also out, and DVR did an opening of our show. It was just he and I, and Nando last minute couldn't make it, and uh, he did the opening of the show, and it literally sounded exactly like Nando DeFino. It was shocking. Then Nando was back last week. And he uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to your favorite show in the history of the entire wide world. That's my impression of Nando DeFino doing the opening of our show. And then yesterday, when it was also 7 a.m. on the West Coast, DVR was trying to do it, you know, because we had to do an early show. Uh, thanks, which I'm grateful to him that he did. And he did he did his best at it. It wasn't quite as 80 grade as it was three weeks ago. It still was quite good. And, you know, if you again, I'm just going to plug the show because... The more people listen, yeah, it's fun. It's the industry pod. Um, Under the Radar, part of the fantasy, uh, the athletic fantasy baseball podcast. So give us a listen. It gives you a really good indication. We talk a lot about under the radar players. Uh, So we talked about Cutter this week uh, in Boston. Uh, We talk about minor league guys that we think are coming up soon. It has ale only and only sometimes. But also we do a lot of Dynasty League talk because that's where it all began for me. Real quick, uh, Nando story. Yeah. Um, and isn't Ronis, Adam Ronis does the Nando back from back in the day, back on Sirius. I think it was, I think it was Ronis that, that nailed the Nando impression. I don't know. I'm going to have to. Uh, but anyway, um, so b- this is when Nando was Sam Walker's, you know, sidekick when Sam was writing the book, w- w- which I, for all, you know, Nando will always be a great guy in my book because he had the assignment of following me around in Vegas for an entire weekend. Hey, you know, you know how I, you know, how I am in crowds, especially in Vegas. This is, and this is 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 20 years ago when, you know, when Nando probably had things he wanted to do in Vegas, but he was a trooper and he followed me around for an entire weekend. This is for the book, which I never, I never made the book, which is fine because I wasn't in the league, but poor Nando had to shadow me for like, maybe it was just a day. And it gets longer as, you know, I'm going to be telling the story, you know, next year for an entire week. It was a I, month where you know, Nando <laughs> followed me in Las he Vegas. He made my meals. He laid out, you know, anyway. So ever since and he, he was a, such a trooper uh, and, and so glad that he ended, you know, where he ended up and what he's ended up doing, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, all that sort of stuff. I know we're a little past the hour, but you wanted to talk a little, a little, we'll give you a choice. NFL, XFL or NL Tout, which do you want? Or do you, or do you have your family things coming up? Uh, we got a couple of minutes. Uh, let's talk uh, NL Tout. Let's All talk right. NL Tout. Let's talk NL Tout. I'm my goal in NL Tout. I should have it set higher. Is to finish above sixty points. So I'm not. You know what it is now. I'm above sixty. I want to finish on the left side of the on road standings. Okay. I think you should always set goals. You know, I'm not going to win, but I think you should set goals. And to finish on the left side, I need ten more points. So okay. in other words, I'm I my goal is to get 10 points because if I can get 10 points now next year when I'm in third eight points out mm-hmm. I've had I have the experience of getting those 10 <laughs> points okay um yeah 
my goal is to win this league. No, understood. No, I, yeah. Right now, well, right now, uh, it's an interesting and precarious and positive situation that I'm in. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be ERA and WHIP for me, and it's just a question of whether I have I've got a good lead in strikeouts right now, decent and good in wins, great in saves. And the hitting is good. It's just that ERA and whip, and it's hard to measure it. It's just hard to, you know, every time you take two steps forward, you take a step back. And, you know, the Patrick Corbins of the world that you have to own in an NL only, it makes it, makes it more challenging. So that's why I'm, uh, I'm still on the lookout. I, I just, I think with the hitting that I've got going right now, it's, it's really strong. I feel like I bullied hitting and I've got, uh, I've, I've got backup hitting that I could move. So I'm looking for people to uh, I'm looking for coming someone to match up with, so I can trade some of the hitting for some of the pitching that I, I think I need. Yeah. So I mean, I'm last in saves. I could probably gain two points with a closer, but that might you know, three. That, you can gain three points with a closer. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, with a real with a real closer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, because because Peter, who has 13 points, nine ahead of me, he's going to keep getting saves as well. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I mean, three are there. If, if, if one were to get lucky, three of them are there. Um, so you're looking at your ERA is what you're. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, Todd, you, you tell me, what does it look like to you from your perspective? Um, I, I, I was actually looking at my team. I mean, so a guy like Colin McHugh would be more, I mean, trying to, if anybody on my team would be attractive to you, it would be a Colin McHugh type if that, but, but mm. why trade for McHugh when you can, yeah. Pick up a McHugh. Yeah, no, I think I think I need another starter so that then I can take Corbin out of the lineup and then play matchups a little bit. But you know what? It, you know, it, it's one of those it's one of those strange things. And you know, getting too deep into our, our leagues is never people people don't always love that. But you know, it, it, it you feel like you want to do something to win, right? I want to do something to win. Uh, I'm just going to keep putting out the best lineup that I can and then see if there's a, a, a match with somebody who needs what I need to sell. And one of the my favorite parts of this game, as you know, is hopping on a phone and and calling someone and trying to find where where the balance is. And here's the, one of the best parts about playing in a league with Todd Zola. And I'm lucky enough now to play in three leagues with you, Todd. We play in three leagues together. Yes, we do. Can you do which ones? Can you name all three leagues that we play in? Well, it's going to be Labor, XFL, and Tout. That is correct. So here's one of the great things about when you play in a league with Todd Zola. You send him an offer. If he doesn't like it, he rejects it within about three minutes. And he's like, well, like, well, I guess that didn't really well. No, I wasn't going to do it. And I wanted to, you know, let you know that uh, there's, there's, uh, that, that you should go look elsewhere because it ain't going to happen here. Um, so that's actually appreciated because one of the, more challenging things in leagues is when you send out an offer and it's like, did that land? Did you want it? Did you not want it? Like, I don't really know where you stand with Zola. I know where I stand. I know where I stand. And I mean, if there is something there, I'll reject it and say, let's, you know, let's talk. Yeah. Um, You know, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I do kind of let, like to let people know. It also helps that I'm sitting by my computer, you know, almost every minute of the day, if I'm not, I'm, I'm sleeping or, or whatever. But um, you know, I, I you know there is some courtesy to it, but I you know it's also because I can. Um, but but you do you know so I mean more directly about you know you look at my team and you say well Zola's got Logan Webb, Zach Wheeler, and Louis Castillo. Mm-hmm. He's got three pretty good starters. Absolutely. So you know what could I you know so now the question and, and he's got and he's sitting on Kyle Muller, 
who's crushing it in the minors right now. Yes, he and is. He's got to have a got So have I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what we're going to do. As soon as we get done with this, I'm going to call you off air because nobody wants to hear our <laughs> trade negotiations. And we'll see if we can find something. And the next time I'm lucky enough to do a podcast with you, we'll report to everybody what we did. In fact, what we could do is we can even post if we do make a trade. Say, and, you know, why listen to the podcast if you didn't watch. And, and by the way, we ended up making this trade at the end. So it, uh, it may not be right away because even fat guys got to eat and I got to go to the supermarket. But, um, <laughs> well, uh, well, it's but always we, always we, a pleasure. We, I mean, I'll take a look. I need, I need some time to to check out your and see you know see where I can make a move. Yeah, um, sounds good. And and because we, we, we did that we in labor we did it last year. Um, you, you know, you um, you wanted to secure your win, and I wanted to not finish as low as I was finishing. So mm-hmm. we actually we made a we you know we we've had we have a history. Yes, anyway. Yeah. And history is, listen, one thing I will say, because we were supposed to talk about this on the Baseball HQ show, and we didn't get to it. And Jeff and I have talked about this on this industry pod. You know, when you when you play in leagues with people, you build relationships with them. And sometimes, sometimes Todd's going to give me a little bit more. Sometimes I'm going to give Todd a little bit more. But we have a, a, a vocabulary with each other and a trust with each other. It's like, hey, I'm not looking to screw you. You're not looking to screw me. We're looking to improve each other's you know, uh, each other's fortunes moving forward in this league. When you have relationships like that, it's better for the game. It's better for your teams. And it makes it a little bit more fun because then I get called Todd on the phone and he just makes fun of me for like eight minutes and tells me he's going to kick me out of Todd Wars. That's pretty much it. Right, Todd. I mean, pretty it, much. Yeah, pretty much. Todd's just going to say, well, we're going to have to let you go now. You're not going to let you be in the league anymore. Yeah, I mean, we've often talked about reshuffling the decks in Todd Wars mm-hmm. and mixing yeah. the leagues up. Yeah. Um, I can see the benefit of that. But we've got these relationships as well. It just never ends. You know, just torture, just Zola torture. No, no, I don't mean. I don't mean you. (laughs) I'm going to talk in general. What if we just mixed up the leagues and and uh, get different blood in the AL and NL in the mix, just to so we present a different, you know, something different to the to the audience. Maybe, but but I I just uh, got into NL and NL Towers. We're not going to do it. It's something that we talk about, but I think, you know, the reasons for doing is I think that there is this home league feel to it, not to mention some people can't travel to New York, so they're going to do Imagine, you know, putting 90, 94 people in, in six leagues. It's fun. That's uh, that's Erickson's job. That's Jeff's yeah. job. He does a good but, job, uh, too. He does a oh, good absolutely. Job. Absolutely. So I just realized that I never stopped for our commercial break at the 15 to 20 minute mark. So if there was an abrupt uh, in between, as Ian was talking and it was interrupted by an ad, let me apologize now if you're still with us. I'm going to try to find a point where I can insert that uh, where one of us had a pregnant pause. Yeah, well, uh, we, we thank you, Todd. That. Todd, thank you so much for having me on. It was fun, as always, to just to hang out with you and talk the game. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you uh, being able to take some time out of your busy work day. Um, you mentioned your pod. You've already talked about your pod enough. We don't have to worry more anymore yeah, about that. About but uh Thank you. Good luck. Seriously, in NL Tout next year, I hope to uh, be re- having the, the, this the script flipped, and you're wishing me luck. We should, you know, yeah. we'll see what happens. But uh, again, my friend, good good talking to you, and Thanks, we'll uh, so much looking forward. Hopefully, in in Florida, in well, Florida. Hopefully, in uh, August, uh, November, and on Phoenix, hooking up. All right, buddy. All right, thank you. All right. <laughs>